0: from the business capital of the world. This is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show. We are joined here by Sage Center for Functional Health. That's right. Excited to talk here about their patient-focused integrative care that really help their patients regain and maintain their health. Uh, Dr. Sherry Vansek joining us. How are you? Hi, feel Great. Thank you. Hi. Please introduce yourself today to everyone. Yeah, hi everybody. I'm Dr. Sherry. I've been a chiropractor for 30 years
1: and a functional medicine nutritionist and, you know, very dear to my heart is the idea of really helping people understand the underlying nature of what's driving their health conditions and helping them work through this from a functional medicine model and um, really getting to the root cause of, of their illness and health conditions.
0: Oh, wonderful. Now you're based out of Fair Oaks, California, but you're working with people all over virtually as well, right? Yes, that's correct. And what is your website and best forms of contact? Uh, My website is
1: sagefunctionalhealth.com and my uh, email is faithfunctionalhealth at gmail.com. All
0: right. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have you here. So excited to get to know yeah. you and your company and all you have to offer. Uh, and I think it's great that we could start off, if you don't mind, getting to know you. It's kind of important what uh, brought you here. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, you said, well, first generation to go to college. Uh, same same like me. Let's talk a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. What brought you here? Um, so... Uh, I I just was exposed to people in the alternative
1: uh, health field when I was very young, and, you know, through my own health maladies, I... Well, first of all, you know, my talk today is is hormones, and it's one of my favorite topics because hormones are extremely powerful substances, and when I was young, I had horrible, horrible periods and terrible cramping to the place I would pass out, and, you know, back then, women's hormones weren't really a discussion, and um, nobody really paid much attention other than offering birth control pills, which were really, really strong back then, and they made me sick, and I threw them away. And so I started really thinking about, you know, how can I help myself? So very early I was an explorer. I I get into studying herbs through my grandmother and uh, acupuncture and looking at alternative integrative medicine. And and so this is really how I got here. And then ended up going to chiropractic school and, of course, from there, you know, had a solid foundation scientifically, and then went on to study
0: uh, functional medicine nutrition. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this. And let's talk now um, over the year. So let's talk about the, the work that you're doing at Sage Functional Health. I know you want to talk a little bit about how the medicine here differs from the conventional model to start.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about how you know, with with Western medicine, we're looking for a diagnosis, and we're looking at symptoms, and we're you know we're really missing the big picture, which is the whole body, and that one condition, um, you know, has many symptoms, and many symptoms are not just one condition, and so we have to start really looking at the whole body. And so today, I'm, I'm that my talk is on hormones for this reason, and and how um, important hormones are, and how we have to look at them from a functional medicine model because each person has a unique biochemistry and it interfaces with your genetics and your environment and diet, nutrition. And, you know, what's good for one person is not good for another. And and this really holds true for hormones because, you know, one person can go to the doctor and get a a prescription for hormones and they're fat. And for other people, they're not and, and they suffer and hormones need to be tweaked and they need to be looked at. And they should be run periodically, I think, like every three to four months in the beginning, because the key is how are you functioning, you know, not not how your labs look. And so um, many people today, many women, have many hormonal symptoms. You know, there's PMS, moodiness, depression, weight gain, breast tenderness, sugar cravings, and short periods, long periods, painful periods, no periods. So... Um, This needs to be taken seriously, and we need to really start um, helping women address hormonal changes in their lives, their phases and transitions, because let's face it, you know, we go from puberty to childbearing to perimenopause to menopause to postmenopause. I mean, we are in, we have decades of transitions, and, and men too. I mean, men are going from puberty to andropause, and all of these hormones are affected by, our life, the stress in our life, environmental toxicities, heavy metals, our gut microbiome is, is huge, and we can talk about that next week, and our thyroid and adrenal health. So we need to really have established balanced hormones. We need that for our energy, our libido, our brain health to prevent anxiety. So I think what I'd like to do is just talk a little bit about those stages, you know, and what to highlight looking at them, because... Um, I'm I'm sure that we have a a vast variety of age groups listening to these podcasts, and I'd like to offer a little something for everybody. And so for the young women in childbearing years, we have to really think about PCOS, which is a condition of polycystic ovarian syndrome, where there's a lot of little ovarian cysts, which are producing hormones. And this really contributes to insulin resistance and weight gain, and, and down the road can contribute to infertility. And for a lot of young women, you know, sometimes the first time they're living out of their house or going off to college and their diet changes. They start eating fast food, um, not eating meals regularly, et cetera, which really affects the biological clock and the rhythm. They have menstrual irregularities um, that, you know, they're just people aren't really paying attention to. They may not even be bringing up to their doctors. A lot of times women just go on birth control pills just to regulate that. Um, So stress is a big one, right? So really high stress has a detrimental effect on the body. It decreases the hormones coming out of the pituitary. It makes our insulin receptors more resistant, so we don't get glucose into our cells for energy. It decreases our thyroid hormones. And, you know, long chronic periods of stress is very detrimental. And I think that we all you know, as a people really experience that with COVID, right? It's just long periods of stress. And the pe- this pandemic um, affected women's menstrual cycles. And there's a a, um, a syndrome called subclinical ovarian disturbance. And this happens where the ovulation changes without a change in the menstrual cycle. And in 2006 to 2008, there was only 10% of this subclinical ovarian disturbance recorded or presented. And 2020 to 21, it went up to 63%. This really got missed, and it got dismissed by doctors. A lot of young women were complaining about menstrual irregularities, miscarriages, et cetera. And, um, you know, it took a very keen eye and groups of functional medicine practitioners to really pay attention to what's happening. And when you don't ovulate, what happens is the second half of your cycle you don't get progesterone. So in in a regular cycle, like a 28-day cycle, the first half is dominated by estrogen primarily and the second half is dominated by progesterone. And so you really need that progesterone to balance out the estrogen. Otherwise, just have a whole host of symptoms um, of estrogen dominance, which can be uh, headaches and breast tenderness and fatigue and irritability. And so... um, this is really important to, to acknowledge. And also important to acknowledge is, is the chemicals. So a lot of young women um, in the 18 to like 35 age group are heavy buyers of personal health care products over the counter. And they say that the average teenager buys 10 brands, different brands a year. And these um, products are loaded with environmental chemicals. And, and why this is really important is because they are endocrine disruptors. So these substances are linked to changing um, puberty, changing pregnancy length, and so we have to think about getting away from chemicals in our products. They mimic estrogen, so they sit on estrogen receptor sites and they make the body think they're making more estrogen, and it, it's a real um, pandemic in and of itself. In 2012, which was over what, 10 years ago now, there were 9.5 trillion pounds of these endocrine disruptive chemicals embedded in plastics and uh, hygiene products, personal care products, plastics. So, um, you know, if you're a mother of a teenager out there or, or a grandmother or have a young woman in your life, I, it would be nice to sit down and, and talk to them about this and, you know, also staying away from the dollar store, right? It's fun to get inexpensive cosmetics and beauty care products, but um, the the labels are telling. And there's a wonderful resource. It's called the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. And you can go there and you can look at all the uh, clean beauty products on the market, clean sunscreens, even breakfast cereals that don't have glyphosate. Really great, great, great source. And So as we move on through our cycles, you know, we then maybe come into pregnancy, and and pregnancy is another time where we have huge shifts of hormones. And this talk is not about autoimmunity, but I do want to bring up the fact that pregnancy can be a trigger for people that have autoimmune disorders or maybe triggers the first autoimmune event. And that's because during pregnancy, the first half of the immune system is, The first half of the pregnancy is dominated by one part of the immune system, and the second half is dominated by a different part. They're called Th1 and Th2. And that Th2 dominance can turn on, be a trigger itself, all these circulating hormones at high values for Hashimoto's. And this might be the first time that women even know that they have a thyroid disorder because Hashimoto's is an autoimmune thyroid disorder. And very often women have a lot of depression and their hair is falling out, um, and they just you really just don't feel well postpartum, and they, they really don't know, understand why. So um, in addition to our regular sex steroid hormones, we also really need to think about our thyroid hormones. And unfortunately, today, um, especially in like the HMO models where you're in for a 10-minute visit, you these hormones aren't checked in the totality they need to be addressed. So when you get a full panel of sex steroid hormones, you want to look at all three of your estrogens, your progesterone, your DHEA, your testosterone, and you want to get a full panel of thyroid. You want to look at TSH, which is always run, but your total T4, total T3, free T3, free T4, and, and you want your antibodies. Because this is really the functional picture, right? This is the whole picture of how um, how and what we should be looking at. And so, you know, moving through the phases here, we get into perimenopause and, and this, you know, this can happen very young. There's a lot of women in their 40s going through perimenopause today and, and we can attribute this to dietary changes, Wi-Fi, endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, there's a lot of reasons why women's cycles are off and menopause can be very smooth sailing or you know or it can be a perfect storm because it's the withdrawal of these hormones in the brain and the brain's used to these hormones being at a child bearing height and all of a sudden there's these loops these feedback loops that are shutting down the hormones because we're approaching menopause and so it feels like an empty tank and I think that this is a really important time and I have a lot of women in my practice between 30 and 50 and it's kind of like the sandwich generation because many people are caretaking for children um, and also maybe parents or grandparents. So there's a lot of potential stress in caretaking, and it takes its toll on the body and mind at a time when the body is going through, you know, its own really big change. And then you throw into a pandemic where parents are homeschooling, um, you know, working and homeschooling and, uh, having to dig deep to find resilience, and very, very tough time. I mean, all of us know what that was like. And so moving on, we get into menopause and postmenopause, mm-hmm. and I, I think that this um, is also a very important topic here. We could spend about an hour on this one because, you know, the common symptoms are hot flashes and insomnia and weight gain, and, of course, you have to think about our bones with osteoporosis, but it's the brain changes that I see women most complaining of, the brain fog and the memory issues. And um, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who is a neurologist who has um, been able to reverse Alzheimer's and has a training program for reversing Alzheimer's, talks about that hormones are one of the five subcategories of the causes of health Alzheimer's. So two-thirds of Alzheimer's in this country are women. Why? most likely because hormones play a great part in that. And we have estrogen and re- progesterone receptor sites all through our brain. And many people don't know this, but estrogen is very neuroprotective. It maintains brain structure. It increases mitochondria and energy in the brain. And when you look at meta-analysis and you look at all these different um, studies on uh, collectively on estrogen in the brain, it's, it's shown that it reduces cognitive decline by 34%. So women really have to know their hormonal status perimenopausally and menopausally because our brain is, you know, our greatest asset going forward. We we need our brains. And the timing of this is also important. I want to speak to this because women that go through early menopause, like I did, and, and I mentioned my, um, young adult life having painful periods, but what I didn't mention was that I went through perimenopause very early, and I had not gotten pregnant yet and still wanted to get pregnant, and so I worked very hard with herbs and uh, supplements and nutraceuticals and acupuncture and chiropractic, and I, I got my period back really regularly, and I was able to get pregnant at 38 for the first time, so, um, you know, that's very also dear to my heart, but Women who go through early menopause or premature menopause, like with a surgical hysterectomy, and they start um, their maybe their hormone replacement after menopause, they're shown to have much higher levels of cow proteins in their brain, and these are the the proteins that, you know, they find with Alzheimer's. And this is a study from JAMA, which is the Journal of American Medical Association of Neurology. This is a, a very, um, you know, evidence-based piece of information here and vascular and cardiovascular health, the North American menopausal society came out with a statement that said hormone therapy remains the most effective treatment for vasomotor spasms, hot flashes, and genital urinary syndrome. So urinary incontinence, um, urinary tract infections, because as the vaginal wall gets drier and thinner, it's much easier for bacteria to cross over and, uh, Get UTI, and then also reduces all types of cardiac disease. Um, and I, I do want to mention this, too, because I think this is important. There used to be a statement that women no longer needed to be looked at or addressed for hormones after the age of 65. And, you know, it, it, is that some magic number that all of a sudden women no longer need hormones to support their brain and heart and vaginal lubrication and sex drive and metabolism? It you know, 64 you're checking and 65 you're not. So good news is that the North American Menopause Society in 2017 reversed its statement and said that women should not stop hormones at the age of 65 and should continue and be checked. And how do we check for them? Well, most women's hormones are checked with blood, and but I'm not so fond of that as being the sole way of looking because in the hormones in, in the blood, hormones are attached to a protein. And so you're looking at a hormone floating around in the blood attached to a protein, but you never know if it if it got cleaved off that protein and, and got to its receptor site. Where when you look at a saliva test, it's considered refractionated and it, it's, it's what's available for the receptor site to take up. And then there's a twenty-four hour urine hormonal test, which is another really wonderful way of looking because you're looking at all the metabolites in the urine. So these are the hormones that, you know, got metabolized through the body, through the liver, through the intestine, through the kidney, and they're coming out in the urine and we're seeing what is there and it breaks down many types of hormones that are missed in, in blood. And one thing I think also is really important to mention is there's three types of estrogen. There's E1, E2, E3, and most women, when they get a blood test, are only looking at estradiol, and estradiol is the estrogen made in the ovaries, and so um, this is the hormone that we look at, but the second hormone that's also extremely important is called estrone, and estrone is made in the fat cells in the adrenals, and this is the one that basically supports us during menopause because our ovarian ovaries are shutting down, and, and, you know, when you're menopausal, you're no longer having a period, so this estradiol value is low. But the problem with estrone, well, the problem is, for one, many people are exhausted, and, and their adrenals are exhausted, and they're not making much, but estrone has a capacity of being kind of a bad actor, and it makes metabolites, and these metabolites are very rarely ever checked, and they are able to be checked in urine tests, and, um, are called Q4s and 16s. They're hydroxy and, and methyl estrogens, and they lead to breast cysts and uterine fibroids. And very often, I'll, I'll get a, a, a mother who tells me, I'll get a woman who tells me her sister, her and her sister had uterine fibroids very early and had early hysterectomies, and now both of their daughters have uterine fibroids. Well, there's a hint here that, you know, something is amiss, myth, and, and this is something to chase because this estrone makes this type of metabolite called an alpha-16, and, and this is a driver for uterine fibroids. And Ooh. if you
0: know that... And, and I if, apologize. If, We're almost out of time. There's so much that we have to get to, but I know we got a <laughs> late start. Uh, yeah, I'm, okay. unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up, and I need to find out how we can reach you again, please. Um,
1: well, I'm on next week, and um, how you can reach me uh, is my email, which I gave out, uh, health at gmail.com. And uh, my phone number, 916-225-7653. And, um, yes, I have so much more to say on this topic. So I'm I'm sorry about the telephone snag food, Jill. I'm going to figure out what happened on that end. And um, I guess I'll see you next week, um, same time. Sounds good. uh, we'll just continue on talking about uh, functional medicine and and the immune system and the gut and brain and, and more on hormones.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to the next time we get to connect. You have a fantastic day, okay? Thank you, Jill. All right, sweetheart. Have a good one. And to all of our listeners, stay tuned. More of the show is on the way. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the US go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States including yours, but they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.